Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about AI again. But this time we've actually collected some data. If you are on our email list, you know that we've surveyed 3,812 digital marketers on how they use AI, what tools they use, how they use it, and what they use it for. And today's episode, Mark and I are going to be commenting the results and kind of going through them and show you the most interesting bits, including some stuff we may not have shared in the blog post. We're also going to be sharing how we use AI personally, and I'm going to be sharing the workflow that I use and I teach inside Atari Hacker Pro to create EEAT rich AI content. I know it sounds surprising, but it's definitely possible with the right process. And if you actually want to have access to this process and the rest of Atari Hacker Pro, you literally have 24 hours left at the time at which we're releasing this podcast to join in because that's when we're closing the enrollment for the course for a long time. Usually we only open Atari Hacker Pro once or twice a year and it's open right now. So if you want to learn more and if you don't want to miss the end of this launch, go on AtariHacker.com slash pro and you get all the info information on pretty much our flagship and most advanced course and community. Check it out on AtariHacker.com slash pro. But for now, let's jump into the episode. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, Mark and I, we're going to both talk about the AI survey result that we've done recently that probably a lot of you have answered. And thank you everyone who has filled the survey that helped us uncover some really interesting things about how people are using AI that we're going to be revealing to you today in this episode. But we're also going to be talking about how we use AI personally these days. And I think one thing that has changed things quite a lot is the GPT-4 reveal. I think it's a lot better than even original chat GPT and so on. And so we've been using it for a lot more tasks these days. And really things that go into production. There are articles on Atari Hacker that are written by AI. Uh, if you go and check our affiliate marketing scams example, for example, uh, this article on Atari Hacker, it's written by AI. It's actually an article I'll show you how I write with AI inside the new Atari Hacker Pro blueprint, the AI blueprint, where I'll show you essentially our current editorial workflow using AI, using a mix of chat GPT, but also just using the API directly. It's all GPT-4 optimized, so it's really, really recent. Like, you know, GPT-4 is one month old or something. So it's all inside Atari Hacker Pro. You can check it out on atariahacker.com slash pro. We are closing in the next 24 hours, so make sure that you don't miss this out if you want to get access to our AI blueprint. But before we jump into the podcast, Mark, how are you doing? How am I doing? You're, how are you you're doing? getting sloppy. That's the second time in a row. No, it's that. like I'm how's just it, changing. How's it going? I'm changing the habits, you know? Is that is that a new AI-generated uh, prompt? The whole intro for, was for uh, how AI I'm doing. written, you know? It's like it's just a, a wish version of myself. I'm doing good, thanks. And uh, I'm also rocking the new Authority Hacker hoodie. Yeah, uh, the just older one. I thought I might show that, <laughs> show that one off, yeah. How are they? Are they better than the old ones? They are, although I think I put on weight because this one's like feeling a bit bit tight at the moment. I got a large looks, instead of an extra looks large. That really loose, actually. That might have been a bit ambitious. So. I think you don't wear your clothes the same way as I do because it looks loose. Anyway, let's let's talk about the survey and let's talk about how we use AI. As I was mentioning in, in the intro, like we are both using AI quite extensively these days, but a lot of people are using AI these days. Not just a lot, most people are using it. 75.7% of the 3,812 people we surveyed. Now, this is not the general public we've surveyed. It's you guys, it's our audience. So we're talking site builders, in-house SEOs, freelancers, business owners, people who are probably more interested and at the forefront of this kind of technology. But amongst our peer group, 75.7% is a huge number that are already 
using this day to day. And it's not just the fact that they've tried it out once and think, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. But the people who are using it are using it a lot, like regularly. I think it was like a third of people are using it every day. Another third or so are using it multiple times a week. So this is something which people are finding very frequent use cases for. I think, as you said, the the quality of output that we're seeing with GPT-4 is just usable. I remember the first time we looked at Jasper or Jarvis as it was back then, we were like, this is interesting, but it's at the level of a shitty writer. You it was below our content reviews, off, yeah. Yeah, bought some content off iWriter. If you're going for the quantity instead of quality, then it was a, maybe a good approach. But we're like, oh, it's, it's some way off on the quality terms. But fast forward a couple of years, and here we are putting, not just press a button and publish. Nah. There's more to it than that, obviously. But we're using AI content on a site like Authority Hacker, where we really care about the quality on, on that site. It's one of the things, right? It's like, it's definitely, GPT-4 is like a talented writer now. It's, it writes better than most people that have paid to write for us, but it doesn't always know stuff. And so like, it's quite, a, it's still a, a skill that people need to progress. Is like knowing what to give to the AI, knowing what it can do or what it cannot do. And that's pretty much the process we're going for. Like basically my challenge when I made the AI blueprint was like, how do we do EEAT, like high EAT, AI content and how do we make that content also rank well on Google and basically how do we not create shit content but actual content people want to read, want to share, uh, would want to talk about. It's like that's why I mentioned the example of the SEO scams article because this article has like a bunch of case studies, has a bunch of like even first-hand experience. Like, you know, there, there's a whole process that we have to like feed our experience to the AI so that it then retranscribes that into the articles, things like that, etc. And that in my opinion, is the key. It's a great writer, but it's also a writer that has very loose knowledge on many things. And you kind of need to inject the EAT kind of yourself in there. And there are many ways to do that. But GPT-4 is like incredible. I use it all the time. Like I used it just before this call for like a bunch of stuff already. So for editing content, actually. So it's kind of interesting because I think a couple of years ago, or even this time last year, if you asked most people, why aren't you using AI to create content? And they're like, well, it's just not good enough, right? The quality was the main concern that people were were having. But in the recent survey, which we did you know, just a couple of weeks ago, the biggest factor was lack of knowledge on how to use it or lack of time to test it. You know, 70% of people said one of those two things. Accuracy was, a, was another thing. 14% of people had, had that concern. But quality really wasn't a concern for, for most people at, at this stage. Yeah, I don't know if that is concerning or a good thing. Like, does it tell us that AI got good enough or does it tell us that people don't care about quality? It's like some of those tests that we see later tell me that maybe it's the later. In personally, I think AI at this point is like, it's how rich this point where it can be used on uh, on production sites, basically. But yeah, it's like, I'm a bit surprised at how few people were concerned by the accuracy because it still makes stuff up, basically. So we also looked at the uh, most popular AI tools and unsurprisingly, by far the most popular was ChatGPT, 89.3% of those who we surveyed were, were using it. The next closest was Midjourney, which was 23.2, followed by Jasper at 21.2. Surprising that Jasper is kind of still so still high, because so when ChatGPT came along, I was like, well, doesn't this do everything that Jasper does for... No, no, because of the interface, right? It's like in Jasper, you can highlight some text and be like, oh, just rewrite this section, etc. Like It's like the text editor interface is quite different. And if you're creating long form content, I can see the value. However, 
it's by far like the most expensive option compared to, for example, Notion AI, Notion AI, right? Like the AI option in Notion costs nine dollars per month, which is ten percent of what Jasper charges for their boss plan, and it does everything. Everything Jasper does. The one thing is, I think it's ChatGPT three point five powered. And Jasper might have GPT-4 now. And it's like, it's kind of one of these things where it does matter if you're creating long, long form content, like you kind of want to do it with GPT-4. I was also surprised to see our Koala writer in there, which was like a tool that was promoted heavily by affiliates recently. It already has 10% of people about it. So they had a very good launch. That's what I can tell because it was like literally like, I think there was two launches for it ever. Quillbot was an interesting one as well. So Quillbot is not really an AI writing tool. It's kind of like an AI spinning tool. It spins like the best spinner would do a long time ago, but with AI. And uh, it allow people use this to escape AI content detectors, actually. So if you put AI content in there, you spin a few times, etc. Quite often the score, the AI score decreases a lot. And it's quite interesting to see that 15.2% of people use this. And it's the tool just after Jasper. So it's pretty popular. Also, there's a free tier. So I think that, that would explain why a lot of people use it. But yeah, that was an interesting one. But ChatGPT is taking the crown. It's just, it's free. It's easy to use. I think the interface, the chat interface has changed AI so much. And it's good. I mean, it's good, but um, I would not use it to create content with GPT 3.5. I would pay for it. $20 per month is not a lot. Yeah, and that's the the good thing about ChatGPT, right, is it's it's free or almost free. I mean, it doesn't cost very much to for, for the plus plan compared to what you previously had to pay to, to access these tools, you know, hundreds of dollars a month in, in most cases. So it really has opened it up to, I think, a lot more people. And that's probably why we're seeing 75 plus percent of people now using these these tools yeah. regularly. It's even in Canva now, you know, it's like Canva has an AI writer and an AI image generator. So like if you pay like, I can't remember how much Canva is per month, maybe nine or 15, I can't remember. You can get access to all these APIs as well. Again, it's 3.5, so not full, but still decent. Yeah, Microsoft Office as well. So they're, they're building it in, no. in yeah. inside that. When they have that, I'm switching back to Microsoft Word. Actually, like uh, it's like I, I I never thought I would say that, but the fact that it's going to be able to connect to multiple documents, so you can make like content outlines, you can make your editor guidelines, etc., and your prompts you can link to all of these. It's going to be super powerful, actually. It's really impressive, and I mean not just for content creation, but for any kind of officey task because it connects to your OneDrive as well. And it can kind of identify all the photos you have. You can give it a prompt, for example, give make a presentation for my kid's birthday or something like that. And it'll find all the photos of you and your your family and it'll make a presentation in PowerPoint for you like in an instant. It's not it's like just sales. that. It's like you can download your analytics data in Microsoft Excel and like tell it like what's my best page or like what page makes the most sales or things like that. Like it's just gonna go through that, do the analysis and just give you some like in-depth analysis of your analytics data or whatever. Like it's going to do all this crazy stuff, which is insane, actually. You won't ever have to learn how to uh, type in an Excel formula again. Exactly. Just tell just it what you want it to do. Say. It's like, for me, it's great because I'm not very good at Excel, to be frank. Office is going to be incredible when it is it. It's not yet there, but when it is, like it's going to change the way we work massively, actually. Anyway, let's go back to the stats. Stop being Microsoft fine boys, especially when we both have a Mac now. So the next stat we're looking at is importance of understanding AI technology for marketers. 
Unsurprisingly, 41.9%, almost half of people thought it was extremely important. 38% thought it was very important. 14% moderately. So you can see that at least among our audience, people think, look, this is the real deal. It's literally 80-20. 80% of people think it's very extremely important and 20% think it's not at all too moderately important. 1.8% said not at all as well, which I was a bit surprised. But yeah. Basically, you have to get into it. And it's like, I know some people are like, oh, you guys are still talking about AI. Yeah, we do, because it's it's kind of the future of, of what we do, really. It's important to talk about it. And also, 90% of people were confident in their ability to keep up with AI technology, at least in the short term. Who knows what will happen in, in the long term. But it seems like, at least among our, our audience, people are generally quite bullish around this. I think there was another stat later on where they said... That about half of people thought it would have positive impact on their search traffic in the next five years. 30% or so uh, thought it'd be neutral and only 20% thought it would have a, a negative impact. Now there's two kind of angles to that. There's, are they just producing a lot more content and therefore taking advantage of things or is search fundamentally different? You know, are people not using Google and using an AI AI to search and behave differently. So I'm not quite sure what the interpretation of that would be. The thing that struck me the most is like people's confidence in being able to keep up with AI that was so high. And this made me think of a stat that I saw on psychology today, don't ask about my readings, that <laughs> says that 65% of Americans think they're above average. And, that's, and it's like, that's one of these things where we're like, we're all confident, but like, when you go quite nerdy on this AI stuff, it does get technical. Like, while natural language seems like reachable by most people, when you actually go quite deep into the technicalities of it, etc., it it does get, I think, more technical than a lot of people think, you know? It's one of those things, it's easy to kind of like learn but it's difficult to master. Like There's a really steep learning curve to that eventually. I remember the stat as well about driving or something. I don't know if it's the same thing you're talking about, but most people thought they were there above average drivers. Yeah. And I think we, have, we might be facing this kind of bias with AI. I'm not saying that not everyone's going to be able to follow with AI. I think a lot of people will. And it's probably like one of the most user-friendly technologies out there, uh, no question. But the thing is like, I see AI being like one of these uh, winner takes all where it's like the most advanced people will get outsized benefits compared to the average users. And you'll need to be quite sharp to really be ahead of people, not just keep up. And so, or maybe I'm wrong. Let's see, let's see how it goes. But it's one of these things where it's like, it's like, it makes me think of like how our grandparents see the internet. I'm like, I don't want to become them. It's like every but generation. You can, you can had totally a, see how that's like that has had will have happened to them, and it's how easy it could be to get left behind if you're not on top of these things. Yeah, and it's it's this moment. It's now. Now a, a percentage of that millennial generation is not going to pay attention to this and is going to be left behind, and they will struggle finding jobs. They will not understand the technology in the future, and they'll be somehow disconnected from the world because this stuff's going to run many many things. And so it's one of these things to, that I actually agree with most people saying it's extremely important that if you don't want to be that left behind person, you do want to even push a little bit further than writing like uh, two liner prompts or something like this, like start getting a little bit more nerdy on this stuff because I think it's quite important. Anyway, I think uh, for this section, we said that we'd say what we use AI for so that people can get ideas of like what they could be using it for. Do you want to start? Yeah, so we've been using it a lot for for link building lately in every aspect of of kind of sending a 
sniper outreach message. So from, you know, subject line, finding a good subject line, creating the entire outreach email, which isn't too difficult. I mean, the way I've been doing it is by doing actual research manually, like finding out some stuff about the the person I want to send an email to, and then have like a little blurb about me. And then feeding that to the AI and say, I want to connect with with this person, write a short email, don't make it sound like a typical guest post outreach and you know, various other prompts like that to kind of like steer it away from because if you just say write an email yes, outreach asking for a link, <laughs> yeah, it, because so many people send very generic stuff, AI has actually, I guess, learned from that and tends to write in, in that way. So you want to write shorter and tell it to stand out. And the good thing about chat GPT is you can give it feedback and it can improve based on what you, you you give it. So we've had massive success in, in doing that. Even little things like little marketing tasks, like when we create this, when we publish our podcast now, we have a meeting to sort of like plan out when we're going to publish it and who's going to do what and what the title is going to be in the thumbnail. So we tend to use it to generate ideas for these things. We don't always use it, but I'd say, what, 60, 70% of the time, the idea for the thumbnail or the title is based on what what it comes up with so getting initial ideas on the table is is pretty good for that for thumbnails as well we've been using it for the podcast show notes as well so you found a really good tool lately is it mac whisper it's called yeah it's for mac sorry sorry windows users yeah so it uh it's it's like a desktop based ai transcription program is really good it uses Uh, OpenAI's whisper model it's the is the transcription model basically and if anyone is like has a bit of an accent or speaks fun funly like Gail, you'll know that getting transcription, even paid services that supposedly use humans, it's very challenging to get high accuracy on that. But this does a much better job than most tools and most services even that we've we've used before. So we use that to create captions for our lessons in our videos and for a podcast as well. We use it to create social media posts, like the text when we're posting something. Small little kind of admin tasks as well. We'll just add someone ask, oh, can you write me a record? A lo- that. I had someone ask me uh, recently to write them a letter of recommendation. They'd done some work with us for a number of years. I was happy to do that. So we asked AI to write the letter and just sort of explained who the person was and what generally we want to say. And it wrote this amazing letter, all formatted correctly. It was, it was brilliant. Saved 15 minutes there in, in, in doing that. And would you write the recommendation letter if you didn't have AI? That's the question. Because <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> this person worked for us for a number of years, so I was, right. I was more than happy to do so. Okay. And anything else? Yeah, so we used it for recent AH Pro launch, which, by the way, finishes, I think, tonight as this goes out, midnight Pacific. So if you want to get in, authorityhacker.com slash pro. Uh, but we had to create a number of ads or like creatives for Facebook ads, for Google ads. So we used it to come up with different angles. I'd say maybe like 75% weren't good. Can generate as many ideas as you want. And the 25% really good place to start from. I'd say if you want to run a complete ad campaign based on GPT, I I I wouldn't know how to do that quite yet. But certainly for getting unstuck or getting that initial idea, it's been been really helpful. Yeah, I I think I use it in more cases. I use more tools. You use mostly ChatGPT plus. I use Bing also. Uh, the reason I use Bing is because it's connected to the web and there are plugins coming to ChatGPT where it's going to be able to connect to the web, but it's not available to most people. Very few people have access to this. And Bing is GPT-4 powered. So if you don't have access yet to the API and if you don't want to pay for ChatGPT plus, 
if you use the creative mode or the precise mode on Bing, then this is GPT-4 powered. If you use the balance mode, it's GPT-3.5 powered. Now, the limit of Bing is that they limit your prompt to 2,000 characters, which is low. However, there, I actually found a hack recently that you can do. You can right-click on the, on the place where you type, basically, and then when you actually inspect it, in Chrome, you're going to have your sidebar open with the source code of the page. And there's a thing that's called max length equal 2000. You can actually change that number to like 20,000. And now you have the, the context size that you would get in ChatGPT Plus for free using Bing. So until they patch this, guys, feel free to use that. And you get a free unhinged GPT-4 with internet access using Bing. The only limitation is that you can do only 20 back and forth, but that's usually enough and it works pretty well. So I use it for a bunch of stuff. I'm going to tell you in a second, actually. And the last thing that I use is GPT for sheets and docs, which is basically a way to pull GPT-4's API inside Google Docs. And that's what we use to draft content when we actually create content for our blogs. Now, what do I use AI for? I use it for content outlining. I use Bing for that so that it can actually analyze my competitors' pages and create outlines based on a bunch of the stuff they wrote and some other stuff. Like I give the full prompts on Atari Hacker Pro in the new AI blueprint. Obviously, we're selling it now, so I'm not going to give the full prompt. But if you want to experiment with that, that works pretty well. Brainstorming, obviously, any writing tasks. I would say 50% of all the words I produce now are AI written. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I actually also use it for formatting content quite often. So like, um, like I actually make it like rework the content so it's more readable, like make some fancy formatted bullet list, things like that, etc. I use it to edit. So I don't just make it right. I make it edit as well. And it's like there's a system prompt in the GPT API now that allows you to give a personality to the AI, right? So it's like you can tell it, hey, you're an editor, hey, you're a writer, hey, you're that. So like I make it be the writer on one side and I make it be the editor on the other side and they give feedback to each other <laughs> and they basically like improve the content, which works pretty well. I actually use it to write my workouts. Like all my workouts recently have been written by uh, by ChatGPT based on my all my specs. Basically, I wrote like a huge prompt with like everything I want, etc. Like I want supersets, but I don't want to use two machines at the same time. I want the supersets to be like working different muscle groups, etc. Like all this stuff. I want my split to be this. Uh, I don't want to do this exercise. I have this problem at my shoulder. I have this and this and this, and it it did perfect. And then after each workout, it interviews me. And then I, I answered the questions based on, I was, it was like, oh, how was this exercise? How did you do, et cetera? And it edits the workout based on what I said during the interview, for example. And I actually make it write code as well. So I make it write like these bookmarklets, for example, for Chrome, uh, or I make it write CSS for our sites, for example. Bing, awesome for that, because Bing can go and crawl your web page, read the CSS, and then write the extra CSS you need for that page based on like the classes, et cetera. So like I use it for that. So yeah, that's the main things I use for. One of the main things right now that we're working on quite a lot with the editorial team is the content outlining, writing, and editing. And it's taking on these three roles pretty well. It's not a full automated process. Like basically the process is like, I scrape the top headlines of some of our competitors. I make AI make a super outline based on like everything that's on the computer's pages, like move duplicates, keep the same topics together, etc. Then I have a very big prompt to telling me exactly how to augment this outline with online research, competitors' pages, etc. Sometimes the outline is like 2,000 words, you know, when it's finished. It's like just the outline. 
And based on the outline, I make GPT-4 write, and then I make it edit itself with this kind of like writer editor feedback system that I've built. And then we edit manually at the end what comes out on the other side. But we also like input at every step of the process. So we input, I edit the outline, for example, quite often I go through this. We're like, okay, we don't like this section. We take it off. We move it at the bottom. I'm going to add this special story that I have about this. I'm going to do this, et cetera, just so we can add some EAT on top. And then, then it interviews you and it, it basically writes as you, basically impersonates you when it writes and all the writer and all the person that has expertise. And if they have been editing the outline, then it will include their stories, their experience, et cetera, in the writing. And that's how the content is not so boring and generic, like most people create AI content, basically. So that's an example of like how we do this. Just looking then uh, at the next part, which is the sort of what other people that we surveyed said were the most popular uses of, of AI, not really too surprising to see that 85.1% of people are using it to write articles, to create content that way. And half of people are using it for, for copywriting, presume that's sales pages, ad copy, things like that. Interestingly, 37.5% are using it for keyword research. I don't know if that's like the, Which I don't get, yeah. the entire keyword research process. I don't really think that's possible at the moment to do that. But certainly, you know, if you ask AI for some keywords, like it, it can help you generate, you know, kind of seed ideas that you can go and use whatever tool to to kind of like develop further. So maybe maybe in that context, social media posts, thirty four point seven percent. This thing is really good for that. In fact, probably better than certainly you or I would would create most social media posts with. No, I disagree. It's sometimes it lacks a bit. Like if you don't give it a special angle, you want to tackle something and etc. It's not like. It's a bit generic sometimes. Like it's actually yeah, not my favorite. True. It's not my favorite for social. Social you need know, to be I, unexpected. I noticed that with link building email outreach as well. Like it's it's very generic in what it gives you. Like kind of expect what you would expect from that type of content. It it tries to give you that. But I also found it's very, very good if you're just like, I want this to stand out and not sound like a typical whatever it is you're trying to do, it does a really good job of, of doing that as well. If you give it I always explain when I explain AI to people, I'm like you're the movie director, right? You have your actors and they don't know what they need to do. You need to instruct them what to do. They can, they're great actors. They, they're like, they can act exactly how you want if you describe exactly what you need to them. But if you're unable to do that, you get the most boring shit movie that nobody's going to want to watch. And so AI is that. And so you need to have that creative direction when you want to create something original with it. And the problem with most people creating content with AI is not that AI is not capable enough is that they have no idea what they actually want and know that creative direction with where they want to take the content. They're just like, oh, I want content that ranks high. And it's like, that's not good enough. You need to actually think about how you will stand out. And, and you can brainstorm ways to stand out with the AI, but you do need to make that conscious decision and explain it very clearly in your prompt. Then AI will do a really good job at following that. And I think that's usually the difference between someone who's good at using AI and creates actual quality stuff who's not so good at someone who's not so good at using AI and creates the most generic content. I think that's also a bit of a danger for anyone who's, you know, brand new to the industry and has maybe not written any content themselves going straight into AI. If you're not really sure about what it is you're trying to create at the end, it's quite hard to be that director and and get something good. The same as it is, you know, a few years ago before AI, you would just you know hire a writer on day one and say, oh, go write me some content. It tended not to work out so well until you kind of 
did it a little bit yourself and understood things yourself. So I think there's probably a similar dynamic going on there with, with AI. And that's why it's the danger, um, right? People who take the authority side system, for example, like the danger is like they want to create content with AI as soon as possible because everyone else is doing it and it's trendy and it sounds a lot like a lot less work. But yeah, you need that ability to create a direction, to create a voice with what you want, etc. So that's why, for example, in the AI blueprint, again, I've created a prompt that interviews you and then we'll write editorial guidelines for when AI writes for you so that it actually knows what to do and, and has some of that creative direction. Then you need to find an angle per article usually, but like finding a true a voice that like sounds authentic and doesn't sound like shit, not just generate content because people are tired of generate content. Why do people put so many reddits at the end of their search queries, etc.? Like people hate SEO content. And, it, and it's like there's no way Google is not going to look to reduce generate content results eventually given how much people hate it. So it's like, it's maybe it doesn't change much today in terms of ranking, but like usually staying away from what people hate is a good recipe to avoid trouble in the future. And we might talk about this in a year or two, you know, when Google has changed things up. But like when I keep reading articles about this and how people hate SEO articles that are just generic stuff, I try to put that in my process, even if there's no tangible benefit from an algorithm point of view yet. Bringing things back to the present, and this is... I guess one of the most surprising or shocking stats um, that we've sort of discovered here is that, well, I mean, we asked people, is AI content as good as, as humans? Like, which, which is better? What do you think? And a third of people said AI content's better than human content. Another third said it's about the same. And another third said it's not as good. Now, you touched on a good point earlier. People have different quality standards and expectations, so that's going to change this this a lot. But the fact that two-thirds of people didn't say it was worse, I think if you run this survey a year or two ago, would have been heavily skewed and most people would have, would have thought it was AI content was worse than human content. But it seems like the game has really changed here and we're, we're in a new era as far as the quality of AI content goes. I think GPT-4 has proven it's kind of noticeably better in stringing words together than GPT-3 was or 3.5. Yeah, I think it's uh, clearer than most people as well. Like it's like it gets its points, its point across and you understand very easily what it means. It's good at untangling stuff, like especially when I make it play as an editor, I see it quite a lot. I make it edit a lot of like my past content, for example. It does a pretty good job at that. And it does a good job at like, you know, taking an idea that maybe was scattered in different sections of a paragraph and putting it all together into one single point that drives the point. It might not be as stylish by default, but you get your point across to people in the, one of the clearest ways I've ever seen in terms of how, right? So it's like, I think that's what people like about it. And what's quite interesting about this stat as well is like, you said like, oh, a third said it's worse, but actually there was two choices. There was much worse and a bit worse. And much worse only had 4.7% and a bit worse had 29.6%. So even the people who think it's worse, don't think it's that much worse. They think it's just a bit worse. Like it's not, it's not, it's not a big difference basically. And I would agree with them, provided you give the right directions to AI. And that's really the key here. Otherwise you just have a generic site. There's been many, many times when I've been sort of stuck creating a, a, a link building outreach email. And just getting the words, you've done the research, getting the words down of what to actually oh, say. So much better, if you're not yeah. in that kind of like flow state, it can be a bit difficult. But GPT-4 is just so good at coming up with, it doesn't get it all the time, but 80% of the time, 
it'll give it you something fresh time, after yeah. you. And like, you get goosebumps. It's like, wow, this is like better than I could have done. And I genuinely can't say that I, I had that impression with GPT-3 that, oh, you know, this is outdone what I can do. I think it's one of these bias, you know, when you have a, uh, an older computer and you upgrade to a new one and it has like a high resolution screen, you're like, oh my God, so sharp, so nice. And a week later, it's like, it just looks normal, the new screen to you. And you go back to the old computer and it looks shit. And you're like, how did I work on this? It's terrible. Well, I think that's the effect that's happening with GPT-4 right now. It's like we all found GPT-3.5 or ChatGPT when it released excellent. And now we're getting something even better. And then we look back at GPT-3.5 and we're like, eh, not so good, you know. But at the time, it was really already rocking our world. It was already really good, which lets us imagine what the future has in the back for us, you know. I know. It's really hard to imagine, actually, what this is going to be like in one or two years, let alone five or ten. But right now, we also ask people for the, the top challenges they face when working with AI tools. And 63% reported biases or inaccuracies in AI-generated content. And we know it because, partly because it sounds so good when it puts words down. It's very convincing of what it says. So you think it... It almost like feels like it's sure of itself when actually it might might not be, right? And it's deceiving because when you don't know the topic, like you will believe it. And that's the thing. It's like, that's why it's like people imagine that you don't need to know anything when you use AI. But in the current state of things, the people who benefit the most are the people who already know the topic, who like it saves them time to create lots of content because they can just edit on the fly. They can tell this is true, this is not true, etc. If you have to go and, and fact check what it says, the time to create content is a lot slower than if you just know it on the top of your mind, you know? And so that's why like specialists are now the people who stand to benefit the most from it in its current state, because they'll be able to output lots of good content that they can fact check and quickly fix as it comes out much, much faster than someone who actually doesn't know the industry, which is kind of a a change of things because before like the economies kind of favored hiring lower quality writers that don't necessarily know what they're talking about, but they're so much cheaper. And Google doesn't, like, they care about EAT, but really you can rank without EAT quite often. And now I feel like if you're going to have AI-supported content creation, then probably paying people more that will be able to essentially edit on the fly, the economics will work out a lot better than they did when the idea of pay, when you have the idea of paying writers three, four times more because of their expertise, you know? I mean, speaking of fact-checking, we also ask people, do you fact-check the content which AI gives you? And I guess reassuringly, 88.1% of people said they did, but also almost 12% or 11.9% of people said, no, they don't bother fact-checking at all. So they're just blind publishing whatever it gives out. Now, That's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. This is, this was 3,812 people as well. So that kind of makes you wonder when you're browsing the internet is what you're reading. It may sound good, but how much editorial control has been, been put on it? Can we be honest for a second? Like even for human created content, quite often you could ask the question. So it's like, it's a That's problem. Very true, yeah. It's a problem. I agree. But a lot is of finesse writers don't know anything either. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. So it's like, but I yes. think where it, the impact of the problem is perhaps more severe is because you can output so much content so fast if you don't have any checks or controls. You can just keep pressing that button and you know be outputting hundreds, thousands of articles a day even, no problem. I'm wondering how they're going to tackle that because obviously like, they're going to use AI to rank content as well. They already do, right? It's like a lot of Google algorithm layer systems, like they call them now, they are AI-based and they've been AI-based for a long time. It's just that uh, it was kind of like under the hood, etc. But the problem is like AI itself is not very good at fact-checking 
all-knowing facts. So it's like they need to build like kind of like a almost a fact-checking AI layer that's like really good at this. Maybe it's not so good at writing, but it's very good at, at saying something is true or not. But the, from what has been ranking on Google for a lot of queries, you can tell that it's probably a problem as well because you can rank with wrong information these days. Think about product reviews when the pricing changes, etc. Like it's not a problem. Like even if your info is completely wrong, outdated, etc. On your review, if your site has the links, you'll rank. And so it's something that is a challenge for Google because they're basically like facing a tidal wave of content coming there to their index that is going to be wrong. And they're going to have to sort out the stuff that's wrong from the stuff that's right without necessarily penalizing AI content because they're adding AI content to Google Docs themselves. So it's like, that would be a little weird to encourage people to use these tools in their Google suite and then penalizing it on their search engine. So it's like, I don't think the fact that AI is creating, the content is created by AI needs to be the factor. It's just the, the lack of factual accuracy that needs to be penalized. And that's going to be a, a tricky one to balance as the dominant search engine today, basically. Of course, this is not just a problem for Google. This is also a problem for, for Bing? individuals, for people. <laughs> because we also asked people whether they suspected that they had been given AI content by a service provider and it not being disclosed. And 54.9% of people said yes. They did suspect that that had occurred. Do you think you planted that seed in people's heads when you asked the question? Like, do you think some people like never asked themselves and they see this and like, oh, maybe? I mean, possibly, yeah. But uh, I mean, what what can you do? It's a straightforward question. Like, do you have that suspicion or not? Fifty four point nine percent said yes. Forty five point one percent said no. If you were a freelancer, so I, would you use AI now? That's the question. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you just get left behind if you if you didn't. We're we're in this kind of really interesting stage, right? Where the expectation is, or and the payment levels, the pricing, is still based on more or less on on kind of its its human writing, right? So that will change soon, I think. But there's a very short window of time where you can, if you're you know a content agency or a content writer, freelance writer start outputting loads of content, work for loads of clients. If you find those that don't really care so much about quality and just want the the, out, the throughput, then you can charge human prices, but be outputting a lot more, so just make a lot more money. So the incentive is for people to do that. And even more legit companies who are, who are aiming for the higher end of the market, if they're not starting to test it out and explore ways to improve the speed of their process, then their competitors will be, and then they'll start doing more work than them or undercut them or, or or whatever. So you have to be in this game if you want to stay competitive. Finally, something that doesn't increase in price, right? It's like kind of relief these days. But yeah, it's like you're going to have to do this. And the truth is, if you're a site owner, you're going to be publishing AI content whether you know it or not. <laughs> it's like it's happening. And a lot of people use these uh, AI detection tools, but they're not exactly... Are the most so, accurate, oh, yeah. right? So, thirty-seven point four percent of you are using AI detection tools. Sixty-two point six are not. Now, I read a really interesting Reddit post just today as I'm, I'm filming this, and it was on the ChatGPT subreddit. A student, like a high school student, had been falsely accused, according oh, to I them, saw it. of using AI to write an essay when they claimed that they they hadn't. So the teacher had some kind of AI detection tool. And a lot of people were saying this bullshit, this was kind of rubbish. And to prove that this was rubbish, 
they took the U.S. Constitution, which was written in 1787 originally. <laughs> uh, so quite a bit before AI was around. What GPT version was that? Put that through <laughs> the detector, and it got a 94.79% chance of being written by AI. So I know it's an anecdotal number, but OpenAI's own blog post on their AI classifier, which is the underlying technology to identify whether something's written by AI or not, only correctly identifies 26% of AI written content as likely written AI uh, by AI, and a 9% of results are false positives. So if you're trying to make any, in some cases, quite serious decision, if you're going to accuse someone of something based on something this inaccurate, I think it's going to be a recipe for disaster, basically. And there's going to be all sorts of all sorts of issues. Are, are we going to have students now having to use fraps of them writing the essay so they can see it's fraps? written? You know, that's fucking really? old. But like, not only that, but like, what made me laugh as well is on the Reddit thread. People were like, "Oh, like all the conspiracy theory subreddits are going to go crazy over the U.S. Constitution being written by ChatGPT or something." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like that made me laugh quite a bit. But yeah, it's I mean, in general, like if it's coming to Microsoft Word, if it's coming to to Google Docs, like good fucking luck getting rid of people using this. It's like, it's just going to be, it's like, same as a calculator. You can make stupid operations on it. It's like, it, it does it in a very powerful way. But if you just put nonsense stuff, it doesn't really help you much. But if you actually input the right stuff, you get something that's very useful. You can do your finances, you can do all of that, etc. And it's like, it's not considered cheating to use a calculator. <laughs> it's just considered using a calculator. And, and I think uh, we need to change that. I guess skill or, or kind of academicness the direct word, of uh, mathematics became less about being able to add and subtract and multiply and more about kind of, okay, well, we can do that really easily. What more complex things can we do and what kind of different theories can we we discuss and, and whatnot. So, and the same is going to happen with content, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So ChatGPT may be able to produce a really good essay reviewing a book that you had to read in your English class. But the discussion of what it produced and the kind of the pros and cons of the different arguments can still be discussed in a, a more kind of human way, if, if it were. It's not only that. It's like, think about it. Like, ChatGPT is not just writing articles or like GPT-4, etc. It can't just write articles. Like, you can start building interactive calculators within your content. You can start building like better web experiences using this for regular content if you actually like learn how to do this. And so that's going to be the game now. It's going to be like, well, maybe it's not just putting a bunch of words on a page and like a random stock photo, but actually when I talk about, is it better to buy or rent? Maybe I can build a full calculator on my thing and then maybe I can make an interactive graphic and I can do all these things. So the game's gonna be like, if writing the content is not really the roadblock and where you spend most of your time, where else can you add production value to your content? You know, it's something that I explained, like a lot of people are like, oh my God, then we can spam all this content, etc. I'm like, no, if a query has commercial value, if there's money to be made for ranking on Google for this keyword and quite often tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars for the biggest queries, there's no way companies are just going to put a prompt in ChatGPT and just copy-paste the content and rank with that. That's just the absolute bare minimum. Now you're going to have to find other ways to level up your content production and deliver an experience that's maybe a little bit less boring than reading an article and use it for coding things like you would use a calculator to make a like, complex demonstration, for example. And so that's really where the game's going, where we're going to be building cooler, more unique things for each page rather than just copy-pasting a bunch of paragraphs and, and, and images, basically. 
So I think I think that's where that's that's why it opens up basically. But there's no way people will not want to spend money and add value on these coins because people will still compete for for this limited traffic. And whatever platform you use, whether it's a chatbot or a search engine or whatever, will want to surface the most useful content. And the most useful content is probably not going to be a bunch of words and a bunch of images. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of well, not that I was really alive then, but when computers <laughs> came around and you know the, oh, the yeah, sort of typewriter oh, okay. went away, a technology advanced, right? And we we're like, well, is this going to get rid of all human jobs? And people were like, yeah, well, actually, the internet and computers end up creating many more jobs than it got got rid of. AI may do the same, or it may take over everything, and humans will have absolutely nothing to do. I think perhaps right. eventually that might maybe the case. <laughs> Interestingly, we actually asked people about uh, which jobs would be at risk in, in the survey and found that 81.6% thought content writers' jobs were the highest at, at risk. Email marketers, social media managers, graphic designers were also up there. SEO specialists, 27% of people thought that that might be at risk. But interestingly, only 8.1% of people that we surveyed were concerned about AI replacing them in their own jobs. Is it another case of like most people seeing the above average? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, we'll see you in 10 years. Yeah, let's see how it goes. One stat that interested me, though, is the disclosure of AI content, right? So we asked people, should companies be obliged to reveal the use of AI content? To which 40.5% of people said yes. 23.5% of people said no, and 36% said not sure. So most people agree with that disclosure, but still, I think this is the oblige that kind of like made people feel uneasy on this one, where they're like, should you be obligated to do anything on your site? And after that, we ask, would you disclose AI content when you use it for your web marketing effort? And I was quite surprised to see that 71% of people said yes. Now, I'm suspecting that people answer that because they kind of trapped themselves from the previous answer and we ended up with like some kind of like ethical dilemma on like yeah <laughs> people wanted to stay congruent within the answers of the survey yeah, yeah. i do wish we, we spaced these out actually that's kind of one of my regrets on on these but since yeah people do actually think that they would be fine disclosing ai that they use ai for most of them for seven out of ten people but most people would probably not want to be obliged to do it. I have yet to see size disclosing their use of AI apart from CNET and Bankrate and all the Red Venture sites, which we kind of like discovered in the case of CNET that I discovered, but for Bankrate, other people discovered it. And they got a massive backslash. And that's the thing. It's like the whole industry got against them when they said that. So I, for me, I was like, I'm not sure I want to disclose that given how like from the point, it feels like there's still a stigma around publishing AI content on your site now. It's interesting you sort of bring out the survey ordering here because the second question, would you disclose AI content use in your web or marketing efforts? We only asked that to the people that said yes to the first question. Mm. So 4% of the total people thought that there should be some law that we are obliged to reveal AI content use. But of those people that thought that, 28.8% said they wouldn't do it themselves. So that's kind of where the dilemma, I guess, is. Yeah, okay. So I think if we asked everyone, it would have been a bit more diverse and there would be more no's. But like, yeah, it's like, personally, I still feel there's like too much stigma around it. Um, especially the way we create AI content now, it's like it's really not yeah, it's, like it's, it's not really press not hands off exactly. Get the article. It's it's the essence of what you're getting is us, right? You know, there's a, there's a lot of time and energy and oversight goes into steering it to build to create what we want it to create. It's not just set it and forget it. 
And I think that's the big difference between, I think, what CNET was doing back in January and what we're kind of doing now. And that's why I don't really think we we should say, oh, yeah, this article was written with the help of AI because it has kind of different connotations. I think when people see that, they, they think it's auto-generated for the most There's part. There's going to be so many workflows as well. That it's like just having like one label on all of these feels like... A little restricted. Yeah, and it's it's really difficult. Like, where do you start and where do you stop? Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I use Jesus AI spell to checker. Get the, <laughs> it's like, does it there count? There you go. There you <laughs> go. Grammarly is it AI? I actually, when you Grammarly your blog post, like it actually increases your AI score quite often uh, because they use AI underneath, right? It's like for like um not for like spell checking, but for the grammar suggestions or the style suggestions, etc. It's essentially AI running in the background. So, okay, any final words of wisdom on this podcast, Mark? Uh, no, just that this is a rapidly evolving industry and we're we're kind of still experimenting with a lot of things. The stuff which we have discovered, which works, which we're using is already in Authority Hacker Pro. So just remind everyone that that's currently on sale. Uh, we only open that up uh, twice a year, once or twice a year. And this time it closes midnight tonight on the day this, this podcast goes out. So it's Monday, the 24th of April, 2023. So if you want to join, I would suggest doing now, otherwise waiting till later in this year or sometime next, oh, next year. year. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, go and check it out. Autoyaka.com slash pro. We are closing soon. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like, drop us a comment, tell us if you like, if you want us to talk more about AI or less about AI. We love AI. We want to talk more about AI. Let us talk about AI. Thank you very much. See you next time.